From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to this Faith and Freedom edition of Washington Watch. This is uh, where we take a break from the regular news cycle and have a personal conversation with some of our friends on Capitol Hill regarding their personal journey with Jesus Christ and how faith has influenced both their call into the political realm and guide how it guides them each and every day as they make uh, tough decisions and take difficult stands here in our nation's capital. Uh, before we jump into this, I want to remind you that as we come up to the end of the year, we have some generous supporters that have put forth a $1 million matching challenge, meaning that anything that you give to partner with FRC, to, as you partner with us, whether you give $10, $20, $100, dollars $1,000, it'll be matched. So it'll double, effectively double your gift uh, to FRC, to Washington Watch, to ensure that we remain on the air, that we remain on Capitol Hill defending faith, family, and freedom. So I've got folks, team members, standing by to take your call, 800-225-4008. That's 800-225-4008. Or visit TonyPerkins.com to partner with FRC. So today we get to talk with two really good friends. Um, one I've known for actually before I got to FRC, uh, back when I was a state legislator, I first met him out in Colorado. Uh, and then uh, that's Doug Doug Lamborn. I'm going to introduce him in just a moment. And then we're going to hear from Vicki Hartzler, congresswoman from Missouri. She represents the 4th District. She's been here about 10 years. I've known her since she was a candidate, actually campaigned with her. I'll talk more about that in later. But first, my first guest, Congressman Doug Lamborn. He was elected to the U.S. House of Representatives in 2006 to represent the 5th District of Colorado, which is uh, in Colorado Springs. It's uh, one of our nation's most military-intensive congressional districts, and it's home to more than a 100,000 veterans who have served our country with distinction. Because of the district's military and veteran concentration, Doug serves as a high-ranking member on the House Armed Services Committee and a former member for 10 years of the Veterans Affairs Committee. In these roles, he has protected important national defense funding programs, missions, and has fought hard for the right of veterans to receive the health care they have earned. Uh, the congressman has also worked since his first day in office to bring about a dignified and fitting National Veterans Cemetery to the Pike Peaks region, and uh, that is now completed. He also, uh, he currently serves as a ranking member on the Readiness Subcommittee of the House Armed Services Committee. Uh, he also serves on the Tactical Air and Land Forces Subcommittee. Uh, he has been a, a very very outspoken member of the Armed Services Committee in defense of religious freedom. Prior to coming to Congress, he served in the legislature in Colorado uh, in the in the Senate, and that's where we first met. Uh, Doug, welcome to today's program. Hey, Tony, it's an honor to be on your show today. Well, Doug, I, I want to talk about um, the role of faith and and the the relationship with Jesus Christ and how that influences you. But first, I, I just want to start with a very fundamental question. You know, share with our listeners kind of your journey and coming to know Jesus Christ and how that's impacted you. Okay. Well, Tony, I grew up in a house where we went to church and Sunday school. But it never really sunk in. I didn't really understand what was 
behind it all. And uh, I had grown up uh, with a lot of opinions about the Bible, sort of strong opinions on what I thought it was all about, and yet I had never read any of it for myself. I wonder if any listeners can relate to that. Mm -hmm. Um, When I was a freshman in college, some people uh, talked to me and they said, look, you, you have these opinions. In fact, you think, you know, it's legends and stories, maybe good morals, but you've never really read it for yourself. Maybe you should do that if you're going to uh, uh, under really understand what it's about. And so I said, you know, that makes sense. Uh, I'm here in college to learn about life and history, and sure, I think, I think I'll do that. So they recommended, and I took them up and said, I'm going to read the Gospel of John. And when I read the Gospel of John, uh, I had also, at this point, Tony, reached a point in my life where I knew I needed something more. I knew there was something missing in my life. I realize now, looking back, it's like the writers who have said there's a God-shaped vacuum in each person's heart, and only he can fill it. Well, that's what I was missing. And as I read the Gospel of John, I realized, you know, this is what I, I want, and this is what I need. But I had one last reservation. I had to know that this was true, not just because I wanted it to be true, but because it was really true. And they introduced me to apologetics. And and that is the study of history, archaeology, documents, um, biographies of people. Uh, And I realized, Tony, that uh, as I looked at the objective evidence, it was... There is so much going for the Bible accounts as being true that it really takes more faith not to believe the Bible than to believe it. Uh, When you look at the archaeological evidence, the fulfillment of prophecy, you look at the fact that there's a lot more documents in existence that back up the New Testament and, and show copies of the New Testament going almost back to the original ones that were written in the first place more than any other classical literature. Just in, uh, the, the lives of the apostles, the people who said, yeah, we saw him rise from the dead, and they all went out and were martyred for that. Not, not one of them ever recanted because they knew it was true. Right, uh, right. There's all those apologetic, uh, which means explanation, uh, uh, or historical backup. There's so much of that there. I realized, you know, this is true. I It's I uh, I need this and want this for my life. I can have every confidence that it is true. And that's when I accepted uh, Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I've never looked back. You know, you mentioned that uh, it, it, it takes more faith not to believe. In fact, it reminded me of a, of a book on apologetics by a friend of mine, Frank Turek. I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. And uh, <laughs> it, it lays out all of those arguments that you just uh, pointed to. Well, Tony, who can really believe and, you know, stake their life and their future, and in fact, their eternal future on the fact that, oh, we're all here just by a, a cosmic accident. Yeah. Uh, it, we have no meaning other than what we impose, and that's kind of a joke because it's really not meaningful in the in the long run. Uh, it, it, everyone should go out, you know, let's eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. No, I don't... I don't want that philosophy. That, that's not really what life is about. Right. There's the, there's the moral argument looking at, at the, the natural law. There's the teleological, uh, all of those elements that you look at. The evidence is overwhelming. You're absolutely 
Right. And, and, and in your life, I know a little bit from, from your background, your father was a uh, World War II combat veteran, and he was a correction officer at Leavenworth, the federal penitentiary there. And um, you, um, you grew up with an understanding that was kind of instilled in you about a service before self. Tell, tell us about how the, the, the influence your father had on you. Well, that's a good point, Tony. And he was just a farm boy from Kansas who ended up going to World War II when that war broke out, doing his patriotic duty. Him and his friends went down and enlisted almost the first chance they got. And uh, they served honorably. He served in 11 campaigns in North Africa, Italy, and Sicily. And uh, basically, it's, it was the greatest generation at work. They brought freedom to Europe, d- defeated Nazism. Uh, later, America continued that great tradition. And with Ronald Reagan's leadership, you know, we defeated communism. Uh, this is the kind of great... Uh, the, the backbone of, of what America is all about, and we ride on their shoulders. And so they've set a great example, and I'm afraid some people have lost track of what America is about these days. They think that the, the country is uh, irredeemably flawed, and they only look at the flaws and the bad things and, and the mistakes. They don't look at the many times more good things in our country's history. And we, we've lost so much historical awareness, especially with, I think, this youngest generation. I want to help them restore that. Uh, but we have so much to be proud of with our ancestors and with our the founding of our country yeah. and with our country down through the years. Yeah, we've not always gotten it right, but we've been moving in the right direction. Uh, correcting yes. those errors of the past. Um, we're, 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 we've got a couple more minutes in this segment, uh, and I, I want to get to how faith influenced your role into making that step into the public arena. You and I met, I think, back in like 1998. You were uh, somewhere around there. You were Senate uh, pro tem, I think, in uh, the Colorado Senate, if I'm not mistaken. Um, what led you... And, and what role did the, your faith play in stepping into the political arena? Well, Tony, I wanted to make a difference. I want to make our country and my community, my state, a better place. I, I love America. I love Colorado. I love Colorado Springs. Um, and this is my way of contributing. You know, different people have different gifts and talents. And I, I've always loved public policy. That's one of the reasons why I went to law school, why I love history, American history in particular, and I'm, I thought, hey, I could dedicate my time and energy and resources to uh, to really building on what we've done as a country, but making it even better, and uh, along the way, I want to push for Christian and conservative values, because that's what I personally believe in, what I personally think were instrumental in the founding of our country. And what I think is the best way forward, and I realize, Tony, we're a pluralistic society, and there are people with different faiths and, and people with no faith. But, but uh, my contribution is to say, look, there are some solutions we find through acting on faith that make life better uh, personally and corporately than if we don't act on faith. 
And so I, I'm proposing that there are faith solutions that should be part of our public dialogue and part of the solutions that make life better. You know, you think of drug abuse, you think of broken families, you think of uh, people exploiting each other, uh, crime, and things like that. Those are all made better when people are filled with faith and are acting on faith. One by one, we've seen so many thousands and millions of lives in this country of people's uh, conduct being turned around almost from night to day right. when they had, when they have a vibrant, active, living faith. Yeah, and, and that is so important. And it is, it is it's kind of our worldview is shaped by what we believe. And as Christians, you know, we, we need more Christians to have a biblical worldview. But that's what we're talking about, our, our decisions being informed by our understanding of God's Word and revealed truth. And and we're going to talk about that. We're up against a break. Uh, we're going to continue this conversation with Doug Lamborn. We're going to talk about how faith instructs his role as a member of Congress. And I'm going to ask him the question, should it? There are some that says you should check your faith at the door of public service. So I'm going to ask him that question as I ask many, because that's going to be a big issue in the days ahead. Believe me. It is. It's going to be resurrected, if you will, by the left. It was a big deal under the Obama administration. It's going to come back. All right, folks, you're listening to the Faith and Freedom edition of Washington Watch. Congressman Doug Lamborn, my guest. We return with him and continue our conversation right after this break. Don't go away. Hey, Matt. Hey, Hannah. What's going on? Why so gloomy? Well, I'm a little disappointed. I had a lot planned to do during the stay-at-home time, and I just didn't do it. Oh, yeah? What did you have planned that you didn't get to do? Well, I was actually hoping I would finally be able to get time to do a regular Bible reading routine, and I started a couple of times. I just didn't stick with it. Don't be too down on yourself. Starting a new routine can be hard, but one way to help is to join in with others and to have a good game plan. I think I have a good solution for you. Oh, yeah? Tony Perkins and FRC are doing a two-year study in the Word. They have it all mapped out. When did they start? I, I would be so far behind. Oh, that's not a problem. You can literally jump in any time. There's a daily reading just a couple of chapters a day with questions to help you think about what you're reading. Nice. Where can I find this? Go to frc.org Bible and you can get started. Where's that again? frc.org Bible. Got it. Checking it out now. In a recent poll... It was revealed that only 6% of Americans hold a biblical worldview. This research also indicated that Christianity's teachings on abortion, marriage, and homosexuality are not only misunderstood, but seen as dangerous and subversive. In response to this trend, Family Research Council has released a new set of resources in our Biblical Worldview series. In addition to our full publications, which cover the topics of Christian political engagement, abortion, religious liberty, and human sexuality, FRC now offers helpful summaries of each publication in this series, as well as accompanying prayer guides to help you and your family pray through these important issues. And finally, our popular biblical principles for political engagement is now available in Spanish. All these resources are free and available at frc.org worldview. Again, that's frc.org worldview. Masculinity in America has never been under attack the way it is today. 
We've reached the point where the term itself is considered toxic or offensive to many. The consistent message in our nation is that masculinity by nature is bad and is the root cause of many of the problems plaguing our society. From his experience as a military combat officer and ordained minister of the gospel, Lieutenant General William Boykin has seen and dealt with firsthand the breakdown of leadership in our nation by the lack of godly men living lives of biblical purpose. In his latest book, Man to Man, Rediscovering Masculinity in a Challenging World, he addresses the essential elements of manhood as a provider, an instructor, a defender, a battle buddy, and a chaplain, and explains how to personally develop these traits and pass them to the next generation. Get your copy today of Man to Man, wherever books are sold. Welcome back to the Faith and Freedom edition of Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host, and uh, the website, TonyPerkins.com. If you're on Parlor, it's at T. Perkins. And if you would like to partner with us as we move toward the end of the year and prepare to begin the year strong in defense of faith, family, and freedom, we've got a $1 million matching challenge. Every dollar you give will be matched, so you can double, effectively double your gift. And I've got team members standing by to take your call. Call us, 800-225-4008. That's 800-225-4008. Or you can go to TonyPerkins.com. Congressman Doug Lamborn of Colorado represents the area principally there in Colorado Springs. Um, we were discussing with him before the break about, you know, the, the role of faith uh, the worldview that we have that, you know, look, we know we live in a pluralistic society. Everybody has a right uh, to bring their ideas to the table, and that includes you and I as believers. Uh, but, Doug, there are some, and I think we're going to hear this a lot more in the days ahead if there is a Biden administration, uh, arguing that people of faith need to check their faith at the door, that they should not bring that to the table uh, for discussion when it comes to public policy and public service. What do you say to that? I totally disagree with that, Tony. If you look at the founding of our country, it's not freedom from religion that the Bill of Rights talks about. It's freedom of religion. And people who have faith are welcome to bring that faith into the public marketplace of ideas and to discuss them, to act on them, to uh, try to persuade others that, yeah, these are good policies and principles, just as people are free to reject those tenets of faith and those policies that might be based on faith ideas. So uh, it, it's a vibrant, robust discussion that we're having in our country, but faith needs to be part of it. And I, I think actually we have superior results, like I was mentioning a minute ago, when people are acting on a genuine faith, uh, and they're the, the morals that would be in their life to love other people and serve other people is better than people just out there selfishly living for themselves. So I, I think faith should be uh, and must be a part of our public dialogue. Well, going back to uh, your earlier comment about apologetics, th this is one of those areas where those who argue that people that have faith 
should not have the ability to allow that faith to guide their steps. Well, for those that are hostile toward faith, that deny the existence of God or or agnostic, should they have the right to have their worldview shape the policies that they pursue? We would say yes. Everyone has a right to bring forth their ideas. They're the ones that want to shut down the discussion and the ideas of people of faith, and so they can't have it both ways. That's exactly right, Tony. And so I'm going to, no matter what naysayers might do or say, I'm going to continue pushing for ideas built on faith and for my personal uh, viewpoints, and uh, you know, just let the chips fall where they will. Now, uh, Doug Lamborn, you and I have worked on a number of issues together. We've worked, actually we've worked on Israel. We've done some things as it pertains to Israel together. Um, and, and as I mentioned, we've known each other prior to you coming to Congress and prior to me coming to FRC. But let me ask you this question. When you first came to Congress uh, back in 2006, were you surprised to, to see the number of men and women of faith, especially in the last 10 years that have been drawn to Washington, D.C., to serve in the United States Congress? Yeah, the, there are some strong believers. It's very gratifying. Maybe not enough. <laughs> I, yeah. I wish there were more, but there are some really wonderful people, and uh, I think it's a good trend in our Congress and in society that people of faith are made to feel welcome and who contribute a lot. Uh, Tony, I I try to demonstrate my faith um with some of my activities that I do. Let me mention a couple of those to you. Um, This week, it may happen before this broadcast, but I'm going to do my fifth annual Bible Hour where we talk about, based on Bible Week, uh, the testimonies of believers in Congress where the Bible has changed their life or all the evidences for why the Bible is true and should be uh, uh, believed and adopted by people as, as a guide for their lives. Uh, I have a, with with my wife Jeannie, we have a prayer partner list of hundreds and hundreds of people. We send out detailed emails every week or so asking them to pray for this or that and as well as for personal needs that me and my family, my staff might have. And that's something I really uh, put a lot of time and resources into, and it's, it's made such a big difference. I feel the power of prayer acting in good ways to help uh, me and my family, uh, you know, in, in kind of a turmoil, a world in turmoil. And so I'm very active about harnessing that, that power of prayer. And, and with my good friend Vicki Hartzler, I know she's going to be on your show also, uh, she's chairman of the VAT Values Action Team, and I'm vice chairman of the VAT. And we work for religious liberty, whether it's in the military, whether it's in the rest of society, uh, for pro-life amendments and, and legislation, for pro-family legislation and, and amendments. Uh, we try to hold bureaucrats' feet to the fire when they make a bad decision, or people out there in government that are uh, lording it over those um, who have faith and making life uh, difficult for them in, in an unconstitutional way. We push for the Constitution, and I do that in my committee work and wherever I can. And, Tony, I'll just give you one example. Uh, a few weeks ago, I led a letter and got 120 of my fellow conservatives 
social conservatives to join me in thanking President Trump and his administration and really pushing for them to continue uh, to not use uh, fetal research, mm-hmm. uh, to not use uh, the destruction of, of fetuses for part of their scientific research. You know, we don't need that. We can use adult stem cells. We don't need to destroy unborn children, which is what a fetus amounts to, right. to do scientific, scientific research. And I, uh, if we have a Biden administration come in, I think it's going to be a potential reversal of that important Yes, absolutely. Be devastating and sad. Yeah. Those are the kinds of things that those of us who are social conservatives are going to be working for and pushing for every day. Well, Doug, we got to leave it there. We're out of time. Thanks so much for joining us, and um, have a Merry Christmas. Stick with us, folks. We're back after this. Since the 1973 Roe v. Wade Supreme Court decision, Congress and many states have taken various actions to stop taxpayer dollars from funding abortions or the abortion industry. As early as 1976, Congressman Henry Hyde led the effort to ban federal funding for abortions. The federal Hyde Amendment, named after him, established the principle that abortion is not health care and therefore taxpayers should not be forced to fund abortions. Despite these efforts, the abortion industry still receives millions of dollars each year in taxpayer money. In 2019, Planned Parenthood, America's largest abortion provider, received $616.8 million in government funds. Family Research Council's newly updated pro-life map tracks how your state has taken action to stop taxpayer funding of abortions. Go to frc.org slash pro-life maps to see where your state stands in the fight for life. That's frc.org slash pro-life maps. Oh, man. What's wrong? I just missed Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, and our congressman was going to be on the show today. Oh, that's not a big deal. What do you mean? Well, you can always catch the replay of the day's show. How's that? With the Stand Firm app. Yeah? Yep, you can catch that day's program and so much more. You can contact your elected officials on campaigns and policies that are important to you with the Take Action tab. You can listen to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins live and play previous episodes while conveniently going about your day. You can access the Washington Update, informative blogs, tweets, and critical campaigns on the main feed so you can stay up to date on local and national news. Wow, I definitely use that. How do you find the app? Just visit frc.org slash app and download or search Stand Firm in the App Store. Okay, that's Stand Firm. Yep, Stand Firm. How do you know all this? Because I'm a SageCon, but that's another story. Huh? To the Faith and Freedom edition of Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. So good to have you with us as we uh, step back from the uh, the politics and the policies of Washington, D.C. to talk about the people, uh, the people that make it happen. And uh, by the way, let me remind you that uh, between now and December 31st, if you partner with us, whatever you contribute will be doubled. We've got a $1 million matching challenge by supporters of Washington Watch and Family Research Council to make sure that come January 1st, 
We're still here. We're strong, and we're defending faith, family, and freedom, no matter who might be in the White House. Our folks are standing by to take your call, 800-225-4008. That's 800-225-4008. Or, as always, go to TonyPerkins.com. All right. One of uh, the so many men and women on Capitol Hill that I've gotten to know over the years is I've been here now uh, going on 18 years, and I have been encouraged in the last decade as I have seen more men and women of deep, deep Christian faith coming to Washington, D.C., not to further their resume, not to stroke their egos, but out of obedience to God. And my next guest is one of those. Congresswoman Vicki Hartzler, she serves as the congresswoman for Missouri's 4th Congressional District. She is a wife, mother, lifelong farmer, small business owner, a former public school teacher with a passion for life and for serving God and others. She began her public service in 1994 when she successfully ran for state representative in the Missouri General Assembly. She served six years in the State House, representing uh, parts of Cass and uh, Johnson County. She was elected to the U.S. House of Representatives in 2010, and I remember campaigning with her. Her and uh, Roy Blunt, who was running for the Senate at the time, we were on a bus, spent a bus, uh, spent the day together on a bus. She now serves on the House Armed Services Committee, Agriculture Committee, on House Armed Services Committee. She is uh, the ranking member of the Tactical Air and Land Forces Subcommittee and is a member of the Sea Power and Projection Forces Subcommittee. And she's been an outspoken, outspoken defender of religious freedom in the military, and uh, she's just been a great friend. She's also the chair of the House Values Action Team, and uh, we're just so grateful for her. Vicki, thanks so much for joining us on this Faith and Freedom edition of Washington Watch. Well, thanks for having me. It's a blessing to be here. Well, I can say that uh, my time on that boss campaigning with you was well spent uh, because you have, uh, the last 10 years, you have been a tremendous representative for the values that I know our listeners on Washington Watch care about. Well, thank you. Uh, that means a lot. I'm just a, a servant uh, like everyone else and just want to do uh, God's will and make a difference for him and for his glory. Now, uh, as you know, we're, we're, we're only out a few minutes in this uh, segment, and we're going to come back with a longer segment. But I, wa- I really want to start, and, and you're probably going to have to pick it up in the next segment, uh, your your journey of faith with Jesus Christ and, and, and how that came about and how that has impacted your life. Would you share that with our listeners? Oh, I'd love to. Well, I grew up in a, a Christian family, and I'm very thankful for that. But that doesn't mean I wasn't in need of a Savior. And when I was nine years old, I remember saying my nightly prayers uh, before I went to bed. And uh, I realize now, looking back, I was a selfish little kid telling God what to do and this and that. I was remember him thanking him for some things, but asking him for uh, a new bike. And uh, if he could help me in my schoolwork, that'd be great. And thank you for my parents. Thank you. I live in America. Thank you for loving me. And when I said that, boy, I was just impressed. The thought came so strongly in my head, how come you've never told me you love me? And when that came upon me, that thought, I just felt so bad. 
um, I just, just the remorse was so great in me. I started crying, and I, I through my tears, I said, God, I do love you. And I was didn't know quite what was going on, but I remember getting up and shuffling down the hallway to the living room where my dad, who was a farmer, uh, was sitting there in his chair like he did every night reading his farm magazines. And uh, he looked up and saw his daughter standing in the door room crying. He's like, Vicky, what's wrong? And I said, ooh. And he was, anyway, he invited me to come over and sit by him. And I, through tears, tried to share what had happened. And I was so thankful for a godly father who said, so do you think that you've been running your own life then instead of God? And I said, yes. And do you, would you like to do things God's way? I said, yes. Do you feel bad about telling God what to do? And I said, yes. Well, you know, you can talk to him and you can tell him you're sorry. And you can tell him that you want him to to be in charge of your life and to do things his way and, and to... Uh, you know, live your life for him. And, and so I, I said a prayer there with my dad, and uh, the next Sunday went forward in church and, and told my small church family in Archie, Missouri, about my decision. And, and you know, he's been my best friend ever since. Um, I've tried to do things his way, and um, just so grateful, grateful for that. Um, so it, it began a journey that it still every day means the world to me. And, and that relationship with Jesus Christ, I know from my conversations with you over the years, uh, had a key part to play in entering into the what we would call the political arena, this arena of public service, and it guides you each and every day and what you decide to do and how you do it, and we're going to talk about that uh, next. Vicki Hartzler, Congresswoman for, from Missouri's 4th Congressional District, my guest on this Faith and Freedom edition of Washington Watch. We're going to continue our conversation. Stick with us. Uh, we do have folks standing by to take your call, though, so give them a call, 800-225-4008, to stand with FRC. Don't go away. We're back with more after this. Hello, this is Tony Perkins. With the balance of power in the U.S. Senate on the line, the runoff elections for Georgia's two U.S. Senate seats on January the 5th may be the most important Senate elections of our lifetimes. The outcome will have a profound impact on the future of faith, family, and freedom for all Americans. That's why we're inviting you to join us in North Georgia for our Pray Vote Stand Georgia Rally Tuesday, December the 15th at 7 p.m., Join me, Congressman Doug Collins, Congressman Jody Heiss, Congressman Louis Gomer, Todd Starnes, Abraham Hamilton, and others as we join together to discuss how we can get involved. The rally will be at Truett McConnell University in Cleveland, and again, it starts at 7 p.m. For more details, visit PrayVoteStand.org. That's PrayVoteStand.org. This rally is sponsored by FRC Action and AFA Action. Are you looking to grow closer in your relationship with Jesus Christ and in your knowledge of God's Word? Family Research Council has a three-part series titled, Three Ways to Read the Bible. This series shares helpful ways to be encouraged and directed by God's truth by observing the text of the Bible and applying it to your life. There is no better time than now to get to know God through His Word by looking into the Bible to see what it says about itself, God, and humanity. There's no better time than now to begin devoting time to the Lord and to seek out His meaning for you. This blog series is a great primer on opening your eyes and heart to Him through the Bible amid the toils and troubles of today. 
check out this helpful resource and learn how to read the Bible with not just your eyes, but with your heart and mind as well. To learn more, visit frcblog.com slash ways to read. That's frcblog.com slash ways to read. The rapidly changing moral landscape of the 21st century presents a challenge for Christians committed to biblical sexual ethics. An uprising against morality has overturned centuries of norms concerning the family, marriage, and human sexuality. Secular culture is not the only challenger of Christian sexual ethics. Increasingly, theologically liberal churches and denominations are rejecting the church's historic teaching on marriage. As a result, Christians are facing increasing pressure to compromise the Bible's teaching on human sexuality. How should Christians who are committed to God's Word respond to these challenges? What does the Bible teach about sexuality? Family Research Council has a new publication that presents the biblical principles for human sexuality. It lays out a survey of culture, scripture, and church history that will help pastors and all Christians meet modern-day challenges to biblical sexuality with truth and love. To access this publication, visit frc.org slash human sexuality. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas Everywhere you go Take a look in the five and ten Listen and once again With candy canes and silver lanes aglow Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. Welcome back to this Faith and Freedom edition of Washington Watch. I hope you are getting into the uh, the Christmas spirit. I know it's, 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 some, it's a little difficult with social distancing, but you know what? Go ahead and give everybody a hug. Tell them Merry Christmas. In this edition of Faith and Family, or Faith and Freedom, you know that we, we step back from all the politics and policy. We talk a lot about that. It's important stuff. But more important is what is it that motivates the men and women who serve here in our nation's capital? Vicki Hartzler, my guest. Vicki, you were just sharing with um, with us kind of how as a nine-year-old, and I relate to that, when you came to know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, and you said, you know, you want him to, you want to do things his way. Let me uh, let me ask you this. Share with our listeners about stepping into this arena. I mean, you were, a, if, I, if I recall correctly, a home ec teacher. Is that right? Yes, that's true. And and so you were in teaching. You you were a f- had a family farm. You were a wife, a mother, and then came the call to step into the political arena. Tell us about it. Well, it actually started back when I was nine years old uh, in that I was making mud pies one day on my front sidewalk, as uh, farm kids do. And I remember talking to God. This was soon after I'd asked him into my heart and uh, made him Lord of my life. And it's like, what do you want me to be when I grow up? I knew I wanted to be a wife and a mother, but was there something else that I could do or you wanted me to do to make a difference uh, for him and for others? And I thought about a couple of things, and then I'm like, "Mm, no, it just didn't seem right. And then that thought came in my head. Well, you could be a state representative. And I thought, hmm, you know, that's something I think I could do that would make a difference for God and for others. And I forgot about it, really. But as I look back on my life, ever since then, I was always drawn to public policy. If the TV was on and the news was on, as I walked through the room, I'd be paying attention. In high school, if a guest speaker was an elected official, I would be all ears. 
Uh, I remember wanting so bad to go to our state capitol in eighth grade. They always had a field trip. And when I was in seventh grade, they decided to cancel or that that was going to be the last year they um, had the trip. And I was devastated. I didn't get to go. Um, but I actually got a chance to visit the state capitol in college, and it was ended up to be a very bad experience. Um, I was invited to go down, and um, it wasn't anything like I expected. I walked in, and the hallways were full of smoke. I remember sitting in the gallery looking down the House floor. At that time, everybody was smoking. The person I was with started pointing out people on the floor and saying, well, that person's having an affair with their secretary. Well, that guy over there is an alcoholic. Well, that guy's having an affair with their intern. And he pointed out about four people. I was just so devastated. you know, I, 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 it made me mad, actually. I thought, you know, elected officials should act the same way away from home that they do at home. They should try to be a role model for young kids or at least, you know, be as honorable as, as their name on their mail that they get, the honorable so-and-so. And um, But it planted a seed in me, and I thought it shouldn't be that way. And then fast forward about 12 more years when I had become a teacher and I was grading papers one night, uh, the phone rang, and it was an elderly man I'd known since I was a little girl, and he uh, he asked me to run for state representative. He said, our, you know, do you know our current rep is retiring? And I said, well, yes, I read that. And he said, well, some of us, you know, thought of you. What do you, what do you think about running for office? And uh, I had flashbacks to that state capitol, and I said, Bill, politics is a dirty business. I don't want to have anything to do with it. It costs lots of money. We're a farmer and a teacher. My husband and I, we don't have money. I don't even know how to campaign. No thanks. And then he said something very important that I hope other Christians will say to other Christians. Uh, He said, uh, will you think about it? Will you pray about it? And when he said that, I had the flashback when I was nine years old making mud pies, and I thought, oh, my, could this really be God? Uh, Because I loved being a teacher, working with teenagers. And I, but I said, okay, I will pray about it. So my husband and I uh, had about 30 days before the end of filing. We prayed, we sought counsel, and God spoke very clearly to me uh, the Sunday before um, the deadline. And it's, I had that thought back to the Capitol, and he's like, if good people don't step up to run, then that's all we're going to get. And too many times, Christians, we get them out to vote, we register them, and then they get in the ballot box or the booth, and there's nobody on the ballot right. that shares their views and values. And it's, Christians have got to step up and run. So in obedience, I uh, ran, and uh, even though it was a Democrat district that hadn't had a rep for a long time that was Republican, I, I won. And God was so good. The day that I went to the Capitol, I came up the escalator going into the uh, basement of the Capitol. I remember the conversation I was having with God going, okay, God, you've called me here, and, and, and if you want my clothes to smell like smoke, I'll do it for you, Lord. And I got to the top of the escalator, and there was a sign that says, New policy, no smoking in the Capitol. <laughs> and uh, it turns out there was many, many Christians there, and um, and I've learned that since, both at the state level and now in Congress. There are so many Christians here, and I look back on that day I was at the Capitol, and the, the, the friend only pointed out four out of 163 state reps in Missouri's Capitol, and, you know, there's going to be a small percentage of people, no matter what your profession, that uh, disappoint you. But that still doesn't negate the fact that Christians need to get involved, and it's a ministry, and I just feel blessed to be um, 
able to serve God, to speak up for him, to serve others and to serve him. Um, I was blessed uh, after serving six years. Uh, my husband and I were blessed with our daughter, and I decided not to run for re-election, became a full-time stay-at-home mom, but volunteered in various causes and things for the le- next nine years. And then in 2009, I uh, was asked to run for Congress. And uh, I, I never did honestly see that in my future. I never was in the mud pie <laughs> revelation back in nine. But there was a need, and after much prayer, uh, felt like God was uh, calling me and tapping my shoulder, saying, it's time to get off the bench. I need you back in. Uh, it's time to step up again. And so uh, we ran uh, against a 34-year incumbent chairman of the Armed Services Committee, and uh, the Lord uh, enabled us to, to run and win. And um, so I've been here. This is my 10th year now, and just feel honored to serve the good people in my district, to stand up for the values um, that made this country gate, and to get to work with wonderful leaders uh, like you, Tony, and uh, the Family Research Council and other great uh, pro-family, pro-faith organizations across this nation uh, to bring our country uh, back to what it needs to be and preserve America's greatness. Well, well, Vicki, some would probably argue that uh, making mud pies is actually good preparation to serve in Congress. But uh, <laughs> Maybe. I, uh, we had a hog farm. My first real job was cleaning the hog barn, so you could take that well, even that, further. Well, that would, yes, we could take that even further. But, but I want to take further the faith element. As, mm-hmm. uh, as you prayed about, the Lord led you into this arena. You've been obedient. Uh, to that call, and I agree with you 100% because my, my story is very similar in that I, I think the reason politics is distasteful because it takes on the character of those we put in. And if we want good government, we've got to put good people. If we want righteous government, we've got to put people who are under the righteousness of Christ into government. But there are some, in, in fact, I've heard very strongly uh, from some of your colleagues who are going to have the ear of uh, potentially the next administration who are basically saying people that hold a, a public office or a whether it's elected or appointed or a government position has to check their faith at the door of that service. What do you say to that? I say that's ridiculous. You can't separate that. Uh, if it is who you are, if you, we are made with a sp- spiritual beings, and, and we have that basic value system, whether it be a biblical world value or uh, some other world view, and that is going to shape and motivate you. Um, so I think that's, that's just ridiculous to say that. You're going to be beholden to somebody. You believe in something, and I believe in the, the power of the Lord Jesus Christ and that we need to uh, follow his path for us. It's what our family believed that made our country the the great nation that it is and and freedom is only possible uh, where there is Christ so um, yeah I think it's important that those who share Christian values uh, put their their faith to action and whether that be voting whether that be praying or whether that be serving others through public service uh, we need to contend for the faith and uh, not let it die on the vine. We're not to put our faith under a bushel. We're to let it shine and to influence others. You know, uh, Vicki, that faith is not only defining, but that the faith it, that faith is also encouraging, and it's from that we gain our strength. I know that you've taken some really strong positions uh, and that you have let out on some things. I'll just one of them uh, that comes to mind. 
a few years back, uh, actually the first uh, when the right before the right at the beginning of the Trump administration or before the Trump administration, the transgender issue in the military. A lot of your colleagues didn't want to touch that issue. Uh, you stepped forward and did it uh, in providing, quite frankly, a lot of the impetus for the president taking the step and reversing that policy that was done at the 11th hour uh, by the uh, Obama administration. Uh, how do you find or do you find strength in that relationship with the Lord and in his word, knowing what he has said is right and wrong? Well, ab- absolutely. You rely on him every day and you have to do what is right and as i looked back on the examples in the bible of the kings the good the ones that you know did right in the eyes of the lord and those who who didn't uh i want to be the kind of leader that does what's right in the eyes of the lord we're ultimately re- uh, accountable to him and some of the things that the uh, leaders in the past did that were righteous is they undid bad policy from the king before whether that was tearing down idols or or this or that in the in the bible and it it was a terrible policy that the obama had put forward from a national security standpoint um where you were allowing individuals who had uh, uh, issues uh to be in the military and then potentially paying for them to have a a sex reassignment surgery which in a four-year tour of duty would mean that uh, uh, between two and a half to three years of those four years of service they wouldn't be able to fight and the purpose of the military is to fight and to win wars so why would we be recruiting Uh, individuals into our military who uh, physically and mentally are not able to complete that mission when at the same time I've had constituents who were rejected from coming in and serving the military because they had bunions I know another constituent who was rejected because they had asthma and yet just to be politically correct President Obama had changed the policy to allow transgenders to come in who had far more uh, uh, in complex issues so it needed to be undone, and uh, it need, somebody needed to step up and do it. I am on the Armed Services Committee, and so I offered that amendment. And um, I'm glad that President um, Trump saw the wisdom of that and took steps to protect our national defense, because that's, that's ultimately what this was about. Well, in decisions like that, and that's not the only one, oftentimes you have to stand alone. And in those moments, I personally find that that's where my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and standing upon the certainty and the unchanging nature of his word gives me the strength to do that. Without that, I would not be able to to, to take those stands, which I believe, Vicki, is the very reason people on the left do not want people of faith in these positions of leadership. Right. Well, we stand on on the word, and the word is uh, inspiring. It gives us strength. It gives us comfort. It gives us power, and it it is the truth. And so that makes a difference whether you're standing for the truth or you're standing for the uh, whims of man, Um, and because the truth ultimately will win out. Mm -hmm. And uh, God gives you that strength. He says He never leaves you, forsakes you. 
And whenever you're in the fire, he's right there with you, whether it's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, um, or whether it's somebody on Capitol Hill, he is there with you, um, and he sees you through. As we uh, wrap up our time together, um, Congressman Vicki Hartzler, let me ask you this. Uh, how can our folks be praying for you and, and your colleagues that are believers on Capitol Hill? Mm, well, I appreciate that. That prayer, righteous men are powerful and effective, and they do make a difference. I appreciate that so much. Um, I would just ask for um, wisdom in strategy. I love the book of Nehemiah, and I know you have done so, several teachings on that as well. But one thing I, I appreciate about him when God called him to go back and rebuild the wall is he not only fasted and prayed and he cared, he cried, he 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 was concerned about his nation. and But then he went there, and at night he went and surveyed the, the walls kind of before he uh, met with the leaders. But I like what it says there. It said he had not yet shared with them what God had placed on his heart to do. And so my prayer often to God is to place on my heart what you want me to do. I want to be... Um, the Bible says in the New Testament, shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves, know the strategy, the plan for how to pass a bill or what bills to pass or what speech to give uh, or what to do at this moment in history for such a time as this, what I need to do, that strategy. So I, I appreciate um, people's prayers for, for that wisdom, uh, for God to place that in my heart and uh, then the courage to carry it out. And that is exactly what we will uh, be praying for you and the other men and women of faith on Capitol Hill. Vicki Hartzler, thanks so much for joining us today. Well, thanks for having me. It's been a blessing. All right. And Merry Christmas to you and the Hartzler family. And folks, Merry Christmas to you as well. And thank you so much for joining us. And let me encourage you to uh, to pray for Vicki and the others who are serving on Capitol Hill to defend and uphold faith, family, and freedom. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, prepared, and taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234. 